Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. It's that time of the year where the tournament is finally upon us. College basketball takes center stage. BetOnline is the number one spot for bets, odds, information, and the 2022 college basketball bracket contest. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to get started today. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, everybody. However and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of Wired Up. This is Wired Up episode 111 here on the Take It Easy podcast. Welcome in, everybody. I hope you all are having a fantabulous day, whether this is Sunday or Monday or however and whenever you may be stopping in. We appreciate you stopping in. However it is, you may be stopping in. We have got a show today with Walter Mitchell joining us. We did a long conversation on Saturday, so we'll break that up. Part of it will be on memes of the weekend, but part of what I wanted to talk about today was around the Deshaun Watson situation, of course, because uh, late Friday night, we snuck in with the news that Deshaun Watson had been traded to the Cleveland Browns and that morals and ethics we're going to be compromised in this situation. Now, I did a bunch of stuff for Believe in Houston Texans. Some of what we're going to talk about here is a repeat from that podcast episode. And so one of the things that I wanted to talk about with this case before we move forward is that there are still 22-plus victims in this situation for Deshaun Watson. And when we talk about the Texans trading for... I'm sorry, the Cleveland Browns trading for a sexual predator and them being the organization that is willing to compromise their morals and ethics in such a way that they're going to empower a sexual predator to be the face of their franchise and build in a contract in such a way where he knows he's going to get suspended next season, he's signing for $1 million, and it's essentially a four-year, $250 million fully guaranteed contract for the team who's willing to give up 253 fully guaranteed three first-round picks, and additional draft compensation for a sexual predator to be the face of their franchise. And so, I'm declaring it now, similarly to how we call the Washington racial slurs the Washington racial slurs, even though they've now had two different names since being the Washington racial slurs, I don't want people to forget that the only reason they changed the name was not because it was the right thing to do, but because the almighty dollar told Dan Snyder he had to change the team. And Dan Snyder said for years and years, we will not change the team name. We will never change the team name. It was only when his fellow owners tried to stage a mutiny and corporate sponsors were trying to pull their money from the Washington racial slurs that the Washington racial slurs decided to back down from their hateful, bigoted stance of keeping a racial slur as their team name. And so similarly, I would like some sort of moral and ethical way to shame the Cleveland Browns. We'll call them the Cleveland Frowns, the Cleveland Clowns, 
kind of beta testing some of this stuff, but we'll figure it out as we go along. The point that I want to push to is Cleveland is the team that compromised all of their ethics and morals in this situation. What are they compromising for? Well, let's just talk about it real quick once again. As the moral and ethical side, before we talk about morals and ethics of the individual, morals and ethics of our football teams, and just moral fatigue in general, we'll talk about that in a second. But the first place I want to start off with is talking about this Watson situation with some reporting done on the timeline of this situation uh, from Sports Illustrated's covering of this story, which has been incredibly well done. Um, The lawsuits say that Deshaun Watson sexually harassed and assaulted a number of massage therapists. The specific accusations are wide-ranging, but include descriptions of him exposing himself without consent, forcing women into sexual acts, and making vile threats. Quote, Watson's behavior is part of a disturbing pattern of preying on vulnerable women, one of the lawsuits said. One lawsuit, for instance, said that Watson, quote, assaulted and harassed plaintiff by exposing himself to her and touching her with his penis. The massage therapist says the incident, which took place at a house in Los Angeles last July, occurred after Watson grabbed her hands and guided them towards his genitalia before forcing them onto his penis. He then, according to lawsuit, attempted to, quote, get her to pleasure him. One of the lawsuits, filed March 30th, 2021, details an incident in Arizona where Watson made obscene sexual requests to the plaintiff, a massage therapist, including, quote, requesting she penetrate his anus with her fingers and to massage him there. The latest lawsuit, number 22, alleges that Watson, quote, assaulted and harassed plaintiff by touching her with his penis and exposing himself. It also claims that Watson had used more than 50 different women for massages, adding that, quote, some made clear they were unlicensed and others made sure they did not specialize in massage therapy. More than 11 lawsuits alleged Watson exposed himself. 12 filings allege that he touched women with his penis either once or repeatedly. Four lawsuits allege that Watson forced himself on the women either by kissing them or via oral sex. No criminal charges were filed against Watson. Here is the timeline of events of which these incidents took place. And these are the ones that we know, of course, because we're talking about accusations of over 50 women in these situations. March 30th, 2020, at Plaintiff's Home in Texas. April 19th, 2020, at a Houston spa. May 28th, 2020, at Watson's Home in Houston. June 2nd, 2020, at a Houston spa. June 2020, and August 17th, 2020, at a hotel, and later a spa, in Houston. July 2020, at Plaintiff's Home in Texas. July 2020, in Arizona. Four sessions between July 2020 and September 2020, in Texas. July 15th, 2020, at a home in Beverly Hills, California. August 2nd, 2020, at a hotel in Houston. August 28th, 2020, at the Houstonian Hotel Club and Spa. September 2nd, 2020, and November 17th, 2020, Watson's House. Multiple encounters between September 9th, 2020, and October 2020, at a Houston spa. September 24th, 2020, at a rented room in a Houston salon. Two sessions on October 19th and around November 2nd, 2020, at the plaintiff's office in Houston. October 8th, 2020, at a Houston spa. 
October 19, 2020, at Plaintiff's Office in Houston. November 6th and 10th, 2020, at a plaintiff's mother's house in Texas. November 9th, 2020, at plaintiff's office in Houston. December 28th, 2020, at a Houston office building. Sometime in 2020, January 21st, 2021, in Houston. March 5th, 2021, at a massage therapy business in Sandy Springs, Georgia. And then the lawsuit was filed on March 11th, one, or sorry, March 17th, just about two weeks after the most recent incident. If we add all of these up together, we are looking at over 30 incidents of Watson being brought to light in the legal, in the civil lawsuit. And it's important to bring the real victims in this situation and make them real human people. And I think there's no better time to reemphasize this than now when everyone wants to talk about the trade, everyone wants to make this all go away, and no one wants to talk about this situation out in the public. And so now that we've talked about the moral and ethical side of this situation with the real trying to humanize aspects of this story, because it is really, really important to talk about the moral ethical lines, the legal lines, and then at the very end, talk about the football side, but not about the football transactional side, but about how morals and ethics intersect with football in this situation, especially because I myself want to take a moral and ethical stand on this issue, because if nothing more, my morals and ethics are what I find important and have grown from this situation. That's something I wanted to articulate here, as I did on the Believe in Texans podcast, which I co-host with, uh, or I, I host at the moment on the Believe Podcast Network. Um, that's a weird time to put a plug in, but here is the story of Deshaun Watson going further into the moral and ethical aspects of it. I just wanted to lead in by humanizing this story a little bit more as Deshaun Watson is now getting everything that he wants and uses all the power and leverage in an unprecedented way in the history of the NFL. The point that's more interesting when it comes to the Houston Texans and this trade is Deshaun Watson being someone who had all the power and all the leverage, because as soon as this trade was made, which we'd all kind of mentally prepared for this situation to happen, morally it's offensive that 23 women were bringing, you know, 23 women came forward. There's also more reporting done by Jenny Vrentas of Sports Illustrated and now of the New York Times where you can see more people are victims in this situation. These are only the people that we know. 23 women come forward and say that Deshaun Watson engaged in sexual harassment and inappropriate relationships with them in work environments. And as long as it's not criminal, the Cleveland Browns can get away with the public relations move of we are going to trade for a sexual predator, make a sexual predator the face of our franchise, which four teams were willing to do, and... We're going to burn bridges with our other quarterback, who was, for a time, the greatest quarterback the franchise has ever had. We're going to burn bridges there because he's immature and we want an adult in the room, but also he just can't throw a lot of, he can't throw enough touchdowns to make it worth it that we're going to back him up publicly. And so Cleveland gets to be that team that compromises all of their morals and ethics and I don't. it seems to me like the NFL stepped in at some point and said, 
hey, Houston Texans, you're not going to play Deshaun Watson, but we don't want to put him on the exempt list because that's going to be challenged by not just the Deshaun Watson's legal team, but possibly the Players Association. So we're not going to put him on the exempt list, but could you essentially put him on the exempt list? Could you make him inactive for all games? Keep paying him. Just do us a solid on this one. And then they traded him at the end of the line. You know, maybe the most talented quarterback the Texans will ever have. They traded him at the very end because he wanted to leave and they got the, whatever compensation they got for him and because and because he was a sexual predator, but also because he wanted to leave and he had all the leverage in negotiating with the teams that he was leveraging with. He was interviewing other teams as to why he should play for their franchise. And the Texans just took offers in the first place because all those teams were willing to pay whatever it took for the Texans to get him. And the Texans get whatever you call fair market value or not fair market value that we don't want to talk about with this trade. We'll have time to talk about the individual draft picks over the next couple of years, but let's not make Deshaun Watson a value when the trauma that he's caused to other people is incredibly compromising and also puts those other people in a position where they they get to be victims all over again because they have to relive this situation and relitigate it in the public with a lot of people who are inclined to not believe them and their story because Deshaun Watson is the rich and famous person who makes this a story. But as this relates to the situation with Watson, he had all the leverage, all the power, and the Texans as an organization came, became sort of bystanders in this situation which is incredibly fascinating that he was able to have that much leverage in a trade and all of this helped move it along because it meant the Texans weren't going to fight to keep him around. And whether the Texans get bonus points for being for making the right moral decision or not making the right moral decision is I think indifferent. I think the Texans are a corporation. The Houston Texans are worth 2 to 3 billion dollars and they will do what is in the best financial interest of the Texans more often than not. In this case, I suppose for them that meant trading Deshaun Watson and getting whatever compensation and public good publicity of not enabling the sexual predator while also getting market value for the sexual predator, which is, again, an impossibly morally compromising situation that nobody asked for in this situation. Not the Cleveland Browns fans. The Cleveland Browns as a franchise, they asked for this. The Cleveland Browns, I'm trying to think of what would be a name to call them as a way to shame them? I still call the Washington racial slurs the Washington racial slurs, just to point out that the only reason they changed the name was because corporate pressure pushed them to change the name. And corporate pressure will again, could have pushed Cleveland to not trade for Deshaun Watson. If Deshaun Watson was a hill that people were willing to die upon, it could have pushed the Cleveland Browns to not acquire Deshaun Watson until he showed a level of contrition and settled out his settled out his civil suits and all of the legal stuff that we talked about on last week's episode of the podcast and I've talked about over on my show, Take It Easy, which you can check out on the Believe Podcast Network. Uh, you can see all of that playing out and maybe that was the hill we were willing to die on. And I want to have some way to morally shame the Cleveland Browns, even if it's a small way of doing it. Some way to shame the Cleveland Browns for what they've done would be ideal because I understand the decision making from the parties involved, which is we are going to do what is in the best interest of winning football games and making money. 
making money first, winning football games second. But winning, <laughs> making money and winning football games is the ideal move there. And the Cleveland Browns have decided that winning football games means compromising all of your ethics and morals and making a sexual predator the face of your franchise. He never has to answer for this. Deshaun Watson will never have to answer for this publicly unless he so chooses to answer publicly for this. He's going to be protected by the shield. He's going to be enabled by the shield. And the Cleveland Browns are going to get a star quarterback out of the transaction. And it's a pure, cold-hearted transaction. And if you don't value morals and ethics in making your transaction, then this is an understandable end result that I think we all kind of mentally prepared for. But I don't want this to be normal. I think a lot of people don't want this to be normal either because this is an incredibly unprecedented situation. The fact that we are covering the Houston Texans at this crossroad is incredibly fascinating because I would articulate over the past year this has been the sports story for a generation. Maybe a generation is only five years, but this has been the sports story of a generation. And the fact that it ends with the Houston Texans just having a transactional thing that the Jaguars did, the Jets did, the Steelers did with Le'Veon Bell in sitting out a year, like the fact that all of it feels transactional for the Texans is something that doesn't make me feel good because of the morals and ethics that the Houston Texans had to compromise in this situation. Uh, and obviously the Houston Texans inherited a situation that they didn't know this would be the case. Like the Houston Texans did the best they could under an impossible situation. And by the way, that's about what Cleveland Browns fans are going to have to decide right now. How do we make the best moral decision how do we make the best ethical decision in an impossible situation we did not ask for? Our franchise traded for Deshaun Watson. Next year, we're going to be bad, or not bad. We're going to be the about the same team as last year because Case Keenum is going to be our quarterback. But after that, we get to have the generational game-changing quarterback who also happens to play with one of the best defensive players to ever play the game in an all-pro corner and a star running back and enough receivers to make Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham regret leaving the Cleveland Browns, like all of that gross stuff that we think matters more than we do. And if you're willing to compromise morals and ethics and just don't care about the Deshaun Watson stuff, probably the stuff that you still care about. All of that is a difficult situation for the Browns to find themselves in. And I'm sure Texans fans were going through a similar situation. Fortunately for them, they didn't have to get to a place where they were forced to defend Deshaun Watson. And I think anyone who's supporting the NFL doesn't want to be put in that position where your morals and ethics have to be tested by this weird world of sports. But I would argue that morals and ethics are tested everywhere. And if you choose to make a moral and ethical stand, it can be incredibly, incredibly draining and difficult. And hence the fact that I'm supposed to be talking about what this means for the future of the Houston Texans. Go look at what the Jaguars did. Go look at what the Jets did. If you want to know what the future of the Texans looks like, this has happened. This happens every year. A te the Seahawks just did it. Like, this happens every year. A star player on a team is ready to leave. The team wants to do a teardown. The Texans just took two years to get back to the bare minimum. Listen to our other podcasts on that. What's incredibly morally and ethically compromising here is if you choose to make a moral stand on this, it can be very, very tiring to be moral and ethical in this situation. Now, for me, 
it took a year plus to come to terms with this Deshaun Watson situation. Obviously, I'm not a Houston Texans fan, but I was a big Deshaun Watson fan. And Deshaun Watson was someone who excellence on the football field was something that I equated to being an excellent person. And part of that was that Deshaun Watson was... One, he was obviously incredibly, he was a big member of the Houston community and big part of the Atlanta community where he grew up and he lived in housing that was built by Warwick Dunn and then was a ball boy for the Falcons and becomes this generational star black quarterback that we've never seen in the NFL, or at least very rarely ever see in the NFL. Going to Clemson, winning a national championship at Clemson, gets drafted as the third quarterback in his draft class behind Patrick Mahomes, traded by the Cleveland Browns, by the way, in a fit of incredible irony, traded by the Cleveland Browns to the Houston Texans on draft day and turns around the Texans franchise, where the Texans are going through a revolving door of Matt Schaub's, Brian Hoyer's, Brock Osweiler's, TJ Yates. I think TJ Yates started a playoff game. Like, yes, that's the story of Deshaun Watson there. And I equated that as putting Deshaun Watson on a moral and ethical pedestal. I also read Deshaun Watson's book. Deep in the archives of our Take It Easy podcast, there is a not-so-aging gracefully podcast where I talk about the Deshaun Watson book and him as a leader and him as a worker and things that felt like propaganda for Deshaun Watson. But it took a learning process to realize just because athletes are excellent doesn't mean that they need to be put on a pedestal as excellent people because I don't know Deshaun Watson. I don't know Patrick Mahomes. I don't know Lamar Jackson. I only know the periphery of their lives. I don't actually know them as people. And therefore, putting athletes on the pedestal as people is something that is incredibly unfair, but also benefits the league because if you make an emotional connection with the NFL or with the Houston Texans or with the Cleveland Browns or any NFL team or any sports team, you're more inclined to spend money because you are more irrational with your money. Because it doesn't make any sense in the world that you would pay $150 for a jersey of Nick Chubb. It's irrational. It's emotional. It's disposable income in some cases. But it is sports and it's emotional sometimes. And we make weird emotional connections to sports. And so in this weird pantheon of sports, we find ourselves having morals and ethics tested if we choose to have morals and ethics. Everyone has to decide for themselves how they feel about the Deshaun Watson situation. And not everyone cares about women. The NFL doesn't care about women, but most people don't care about women, especially men don't care about women in a way that has actual meaningful impact and change in the world. Hence why we continue to see 25% of women facing some sort of sexual assault at some point in their life. You're going to see this be an issue because we've decided this is where we want to live in a male privileged society, in a white power society. We've decided that these are the places that we want to be right now. And if we want to change it, then we are the ones who have to sacrifice. Powerful people aren't going to compromise on this situation. We're just seeing the Cleveland Browns not compromise in this situation. And three other NFL teams, with all in the NFC South, all who will lose to the Buccaneers next year, all willing to say nothing is more powerful than the almighty dollar. Nothing is more powerful than the almighty win. And every and again, like I understand why teams did that. You will get fired and you will lose to the person who does trade for Deshaun Watson. It's a system that swallows people up 
because it benefits the NFL and because it's just the system that has been created in a post-corporatization of the NFL. It's beyond one person. It's beyond an Andrew Barry. It's beyond a, a Kevin Stefanski. It's beyond a Jimmy Haslam, even, who's a billionaire who owns the Cleveland Browns. It's it's beyond Cal McNair. It's beyond the team pastor that's running the Houston Texans. It's beyond Lovey Smith, certainly, because Lovey Smith is just a shadow coach power figure for the Houston Texans. And it's a system that is beyond all of these people, and yet they have to make moral and ethical decisions within that system. And that can be incredibly draining and incredibly fatiguing, especially if you choose to make a moral stand on this situation. And for me, it's taken a while to get to that place. I remember when Deshaun Watson news first broke last year, in my mind, I was saying, I want to not believe this is true. That was my first instinct in the situation. And then I thought to myself, why do I not want to believe that's true? Because I never have that reaction to these situations. I'm usually much more of an empathetic person in this circumstance. And part of it is depression and part of it is the pandemic. But I wanted to believe it wasn't true because I put Deshaun Watson on a pedestal that Deshaun Watson didn't deserve. And to Deshaun Watson's point, like, he should have used, like, as a pro-labor person, he should have used every bit of leverage that he had. He should have negotiated that contract. Deshaun Watson should have gotten exactly where he wanted to go because he is the greatest trade asset to ever become available in the NFL. The system should not have allowed him to go through with that, at least not now. At least delay the power. At least delay the leverage. Deshaun, this is a such a unique situation. We will never see something like this again. Specifically the way that this went down, where you have dozens upon dozens of women coming forward and saying this is a sexual predator, a sexually predatory behavior by Deshaun Watson. Ben Roethlisberger and Kobe Bryant are the closest examples we point to in sports of crimes against women that end up going punished or unpunished in a pre-MeToo world. This is predatory behavior by Deshaun Watson. And before all of that happened, he was going to be the person who tested the water and said, I am 25 years old. I am a star quarterback. Everyone in the sport wants this. And I'm going to pick where I'm going to play because I have set up a contract and I'm going to use all of my power and all of my leverage to get out of Houston and play exactly where I want to play. It was made, the Houston was probably going to oblige beforehand. It was just made easier because now you can make a moral and ethical stand of we don't want to invite this into our locker room. We don't want to invite this into our world. The Cleveland Browns wanted all of it. And the system will not only get let Deshaun Watson go exactly where he wants to go, set up a contract exactly the way he wants it, he will never have to answer for any of his, I mean, you can call them crimes, I know he didn't get charged criminally, he will never have to answer or atone for any of his actions, and by the way, the players in the Cleveland locker room are going to have to answer for Deshaun Watson now. Unless we're all just going to say, the NFL is going to say, you are not allowed to ask this question journalism is going to have to find some measure of access or they're not going to do journalism around this. And that would be an incredible, incredible disservice for all of us if they're not going to do journalism around this. And unfortunately, because you can't access Andrew Barry, because you can't access Kevin Stefanski to ask him those types of questions without him deflecting, the players are going to be the ones who have to answer for the organization. And it's incredibly unfair because now they have to make moral and ethical compromises in public 
And if they say something wrong, they're going to get clipped. And we're going to use them as the face of this person hates women or this person hates Deshaun Watson. And now there's a controversy in the Browns locker room. And that's incredibly, incredibly unfair to them, but also unfortunate for all of us who are watching this go along and all of us who are deciding this is the type of environment that we want to have in sports. And this is the system that's been built. It's not perfect. It's not ideal. It's just the system that we created. It is impossible to not be hypocritical or compromise your morals at some step of the way. We just got to do the best we can in these situations. And I would argue that people who don't want to talk about the, the gross underbelly of Deshaun Watson or the morals and ethics of NFL teams or the morals and ethics of themselves when it comes to rooting for Cleveland or not rooting for Cleveland or what kind of support you give Cleveland, all of that is going to be testing the morals and ethics of NFL fans, of Cleveland Browns fans. All of this is going to be incredibly, incredibly difficult for them. And they didn't ask any of this. Like Falcon, we all want moral and ethical decisions and accountability measures to be taken out of our hands. We just are inclined to not want to be moral arbiters. It's why we create legal systems. We don't want to be moral arbiters on all of these situations. And when legal systems aren't equipped to handle certain situations, we turn to employers and we turn to corporations to be accountability systems, especially if the NFL has a personal conduct policy. The NFL wants to be moral arbiters and have good people because even if it's good for business, it is a result where the NFL wants to be moral arbiters on this situation. And so now we turn to the NFL, who is not equipped to handle this situation, because if legal systems can't figure it out, the NFL sure as shit isn't going to be able to figure this out. They're going to do whatever they can get away with as a punishment. And so the NFL finds themselves in a situation where they are going to atone for whatever has happened in the, the NFL is going to make the bare minimum effort, prevent Deshaun Watson from atoning, protect him as part of the shield because he brings incredible value to the sport. So much so that no amount of negative PR or no amount of bad press is going to really make them alienate themselves from Deshaun Watson. Hence the fact that four NFL teams lined up and were willing to compromise on everything. They were going to give up all of their draft picks, all of their franchise valuations to acquire that quarterback because that quarterback never becomes available. And the NFL can make tons and tons of money off of Deshaun Watson. Therefore, they're willing to ride out whatever negative publicity it is because we won't hold them accountable. We won't make them lose enough money to make it not worth it to keep protecting Deshaun Watson under the system that's been created already. Why? Because it's the NFL, and we all love football, and we're talking about football in the middle of March Madness, and all of it is crazy, and from the standpoint of the Houston Texans, the Houston Texans end up being a small player in this weird game that is the NFL. The Houston Texans right now are a team at the bottom of the NFL, like they are the worst-run franchise in American professional sports, as I like to say. The Texans are at the bottom of this game, but now the Texans get to be a major player in this game. Not as major as Watson, because Watson had more power than four NFL franchises and the Houston Texans, so I guess five in that case. He held leverage over five NFL franchises and got to go exactly where he wanted to go once the Texans approved of a trade. And he outflanks the Texans. The Browns outflake the Texans because the Texans take their draft picks. But those draft picks, as we've seen with Jalen Ramsey and Zach Wilson, or sorry, uh, Jamal Adams and 
the Odell Beckham trade or the Khalil Mack trade or the Laramie Tunsil trade, they don't always work out. They don't always work out. And the Texans just get to kick the can down the road on building a team up in the future. And all of it is incredibly, incredibly compromising. And all of it is incredibly difficult to play out over the next, to see play out over the next year or two years, especially if you root for Cleveland. But even if the Texans are small players in this, because for the Texans, like as crazy as the situation was, this was business as usual for the NFL. The Texans let Deshaun Watson do his own thing because Deshaun Watson had the power in the situation. Yes, they approved all the trades with the teams that were trying to acquire him. They just let Deshaun Watson do whatever Deshaun Watson wanted to do in that situation. As long as the team was willing to pay three first-round picks, we won't be major players in this situation. We're going to sit this one out, which I do appreciate that they were willing to sit this one out. Yes, it was what was the best, you know, the the best path of action for them if they were evaluating the landscape of the NFL and evaluating the landscape of this situation. The best course of action was for them to just bite the bullet, pay him $40 million, and you get whatever draft picks you get for him at the end because no matter how many crimes he has, he has so much value that no one was going to pay less than market value to get that quarterback. And so the Texans don't get to be the largest players in this game. They'll get the draft picks. You'll have two years to talk about how that's going to work out. We've seen it happen time and time again. This happens every year. A star gets traded for multiple picks every year, and the Texans just get to be the team that gets to boot up a rebuild in that way. That's the only part the Texans have to this. They aren't major players in this Deshaun Watson situation. They aren't major players in what the Cleveland Browns fans are now going to have to decide for themselves are the moral and ethical compromises they're willing to make to cheer when Deshaun Watson throws touchdown passes to Amari Cooper. Texans didn't have to deal with that. It was easier for Texans fans to cut off Deshaun Watson and isolate Deshaun Watson and make him the pariah, which for a time was probably the best way to go. While you're figuring out how you feel, it's okay to make mistakes along the way. It's okay to make Deshaun Watson a, a pariah, a sexual predator who is unwilling to be forgiven. Like that, It's really hard to deal with these situations, and Texans fans didn't ask for any of these moral compromises. Even Jack Easterby, as much as I give a middle finger to Jack Easterby as often as I can, like Jack Easterby, at the very least, did not ask to be put in this situation. Deshaun, uh, Deshaun Watson was going to leave anyways because of all the shit Jack Easterby did before, but Jack Easterby was not asked to be a moral arbiter on this situation, and he never had to answer for it. Nick Casario is going to be the person who answers for it in a prepared statement, which I guess is more answering than the Tex than the Browns will do, because Deshaun Watson will never have to answer for anything that's happened here, and all of the power will protect Deshaun Watson, and all the power will protect the Houston Texans' dollars. I don't know how the NFL is going to make it up to them in the long run, but they still have like a safety net system where, yeah, they paid $40 million to Watson while he was going through legal issues, but the NFL might have like a little backdoor sneaky dealing to help them out in the end so that they could not be put on the exempt list and not create a national controversy. The NFL navigated as like, how can we ignore this as much as possible, but then get all the payoff when Deshaun Watson ends up coming back and being the star quarterback in the same way that the NFL had thank you Ben when Ben Roethlisberger retired because they don't want anyone to think about 
all the gross stuff that their players did, or whether it's Ben Roethlisberger, or we can go to Deshaun Watson, or we can go to Kobe Bryant. We don't want to think about that stuff when we watch the sports. And for the most part, that's something that most sports fans, if you invest large amounts of your emotional stability into sports, are not willing to compromise on. I don't even know if I'm willing to compromise on that. I'll still watch the NFL. I just want to have some way to shame the Cleveland Browns for what they've done as a small measure of accountability. I don't know if it's enough. Call them the Cleveland Clowns, although I don't like using clowns. Call them the Cleveland Frowns, Cleveland Downs. I don't know. Figure We'll figure out something to call them, like I call the Washington racial slurs the Washington racial slurs still. It's a small monicum of accountability, but every time you bring it up, it can generate a conversation with someone who maybe doesn't have the same morals and ethical stands as you, I guess. I don't know. It's a small way of me trying to process what is the appropriate way to go about this. The easiest way I figured to appropriately go about this is to not talk about the actual trade value of this situation until we have some monicum of resolution and until we can have time removed from this situation, which again is the sports story of a generation, testing morals and ethics at every turn and testing NFL fans in a post-Me Too world in a way that they have never been tested before. And a lot of people will have, you know, if you look closely enough, you can learn a lot about people based on how they respond to this situation. It's really, really interesting and fascinating and will require some character growth for a lot of people. I'm not sure if Deshaun Watson is going to be one of those people because the shield is going to make it easier for him. Instead of atoning and instead of showing regret and addressing each of the victims in, and giving apologies like Ashley Solis, who is the person who was willing to come forward in the very beginning and put her name on the lawsuit without knowledge that 22 other people would come forward. If Deshaun Watson's willing to atone to those 22 people, I think people would be more willing to forgive him because... As Even if he is a sexual predator, I think people want just some measure of accountability. I know I want some measure of accountability for Deshaun Watson. The NFL is going to give some of that because public pressure will force the NFL to do some of that and give Deshaun Watson a year suspension or an eight-game suspension or whatever the NFL is going to decide is the right moral and ethical stand. But that's just what the NFL can get away with as the right moral and ethical stand. Um, whatever they decide they can get away with, they'll give him the suspension. Watson's prepared for it, by the way, because he's only getting paid a million dollars next year, and then he'll make 50 plus million dollars every year after that. All of it is incredibly, incredibly compromising, and all of it is incredibly, incredibly difficult to navigate. And I appreciate you letting me navigate it even more here now that we have an official trade. You need to find some way to shame the Cleveland Browns. I'm not quite sure how to do it, but... We'll figure that out over on Take It Easy over the next coming weeks and months as this situation doesn't end, but it feels like it's headed towards a, a climactic finish after now a year plus of dealing with this legal, learning more about the legal system in this situation and making moral and ethical, you know, I'm not going to say advances or compromises, like growing to realize that morals and ethics are more important and having perspective in this situation I think that it's been an interesting year, and it's the sports story of, I would say, maybe this generation. If we're counting like 2018 through 2023, I know global pandemic might be a bigger sports story there, but it's like a, a sports story for a generation that I think is incredibly fascinating. We will never see quite again. We might see a player as good as Watson get traded, but we will never see this 
level of circumstance and moral and ethical compromise surrounding all of this stuff. And I think it'll change the way that we look at sports, maybe just a little bit. And for people who maybe have had moral and ethical growth around this situation, like myself, I think it will change the way that we look at sports. But maybe it's not enough to create large macro-level change. I don't think enough people are going to stop rooting for the Cleveland Frowns or the Cleveland Clowns because of this situation to actually instigate real change. Because the NFL is more popular than it's ever been before. As long as you keep it moving, apparently we'll still keep watching and spending large amounts of money as the Washington football team sold the five highest-selling jerseys on the first two days after they released the Commander's jerseys. We'll just keep the train rolling, we'll spend large amounts of money, invest our emotional stability in sports, and Deshaun Watson be damned. Maybe that's the cynical point at the end, but I have seen change for myself, and I've seen change in other people who are not willing to make the moral and ethical stands on, or who are willing to make moral and ethical stands on this situation. Maybe weren't in the past. Maybe I learned to not put athletes on the same pedestal because of this situation, and hopefully if we can take lessons and learn from them, maybe grow as better people, then we can use this Deshaun Watson situation to maybe learn something a little more about ourselves, more than just caring about three meaningless first-round picks that come back to the Houston Texans. You know, the the, the big news, of course, was the, the Deshaun Watson trade and um, just uh, the ramifications of this trade are just so enormous and um, multifaceted uh, that, you know, and sort of head scratching, um, you know, yeah, we get the talent of uh, Watson, but, you know, the way he came out of this, being essentially rewarded um, with a $230 million fully guaranteed contract that they're only making his, his, his uh, first year salary 1 million. So he can avoid paying, you know, for suspension loss. Yeah. He's not, he's going to get suspended this year and he's not going to have any lost money because. Right. He's probably going to get suspended, if not the whole season, the good majority of the season next right. year. He'll, he'll be back in that uh, hefty signing bonus. And, uh, you know, he's still facing 22 civil lawsuits. He's a sexual predator. And um, the ramifications of all this and how it's transpiring is, it is just um, so fraught with... Um, with decadence uh, and and just kind of you know um, such an untenable situation. I mean, I I've been reading all morning uh, posts from Browns fans who feel incredibly compromised. Um, I mean, it's women's it's National Women's History Month. Um, some of them are already saying they can't can no longer be Browns fans. Um, if you take, you know, women's abuse seriously, um, it, which is so prevalent in this country. I mean, if that's something that's near and dear to your heart, something you want to see changed, 
I mean, it puts all those fans who feel that way, you know, in a, in a very compromised situation. And, um, you know, I also have a good friend of mine who I uh, called who's a Cleveland Browns fan, and I was really interested in his take on the Watson trade. And he, he surprised me in a way by saying that uh, he was very upset with how um, – Baker Mayfield's been treated um, said, and I think he was absolutely right. He said, if Mayfield decided to just sit it out after the injuries early in the season, we wouldn't be in this situation right now. He'd still be in good favor. And, you know, the, the dude tried to play through a multitude of painful injuries, including a left shoulder that was basically out of, out of joint. Um, and for the, making the sacrifices to try to help the team get to the playoffs. I mean, as it was, they ended up eight and nine and out of the mix, but you know, he was trying to do his, the best he could, you know, to play hurt. Um, and now, and my, my buddy said that, look at, uh, I, he said, I'm still a Mayfield fan and I, I may become a fan of the team he goes to. And this is a guy who's been a Cleveland Browns fan all his life. So, um, you know, he's just kind of, you know, rolling his eyes at this. I mean, the talent is alluring and, you know, I mean, of course. I mean, Watson hasn't played in a year. Um, and the karma that goes that, that, that's a part of this and the unprecedented, you know, fully guaranteed contract to go with it like he gets rewarded that is just so unconscionable to me i mean what do you think so you talked about how it feels like it's an untenable place in the nfl where things are <laughs> things are transparently about money and transparently about powered moves and things of those sorts and the thing that I had always said about that is once once I see it, I can't unsee it in this place. I don't remember exactly what it was that flipped it for me. It might have been the Washington football team scandal. Yep. Um, but the moment that I realized all of this stuff has real-world implications, it was impossible to ever unsee it. And then you start connecting dots in different places about how every NFL team is a corporation and you go back to Jerry Jones in the 1990s and how the old guard of the NFL was phased out by a new guard. And now it's about the, the almighty dollar and, you know, shareholder value and being run like a corporation. I don't remember the exact moment where it flipped for me or like the light switch went off, but at some point I realized all of this is a transaction and there's so much power and money to be had that everyone needs to scramble for that situation. And with the Deshaun Watson case, I don't want to talk about the, the trade itself altogether. And I've been trying to avoid that part when we do the long form Deshaun Watson talk. And the fact that he got traded was something that was essentially, I understand why it happened is because NFL teams value the wins, the almighty win and the almighty dollar over morals and ethics, because if you don't compromise your morals and ethics, you will lose and get fired to the person who does compromise their morals and ethics is essentially the argument people make there. Um, so I understand that part. And at the same time, I will not compromise my morals just because I understand that situation. Like this is a case where 
the Cleveland Browns need to be well. I'm trying to think of another name for them, kind of like how I've been calling the Washington racial slurs the Washington racial slurs for many years now. Like I'm trying to think of a name to shame the Cleveland Browns in that way. But the Cleveland Browns need to be held accountable for this. I hope that they suffer financially because that's the only way that the consumer can, uh, you know, essentially hold corporations accountable is with the dollar. Uh, But if I'm a Browns fan or, you know, a fan of any team, all those NFC South teams that all were terrible and all tried to trade for Deshaun Watson too. Like if I'm a fan of one of those teams and I feel more, I mean, this is again, a moral compromise that is really difficult for everyone and everyone sets their own moral boundaries. I know obviously a lot of Adam Schefter, I know a lot of people who wanted to make this all about the transaction and all about the how much value you can get for Deshaun Watson, the sexual predator, but just saying it's Deshaun Watson, the quarterback. So I think everyone draws their own moral lines individually. And if you do care about morals and ethics, it can be sometimes fatiguing to be consistent. And in this case, it feels like easier than trying to find compromises in between because this one, he hasn't atoned for anything. There hasn't been a measure of accountability to Deshaun Watson yet. Getting paid to not right. play football for a year is not accountability right. in this situation. Good point. Um, but he was just in a unique place. And I've said this is the sports story of a generation because nothing like this will ever happen again. The second he got traded yesterday, we all knew he was going to get traded. The second he got traded, it was already the biggest trade in the history of the NFL. Right. The, the 26 year old quarterback in his prime, who is going to be a hall of famer before all of this, like never comes available ever. It's never happened. And all of that combined together makes it a unique story. But I think back to the morals part, like everyone draws their own moral and ethical lines and it's much easier to just not give a shit about anything. And in this case, it's really fatiguing if you're someone who, again, if you're a Browns fan, you didn't ask for any of this to be dropped on your lap. And now you have to make the moral and ethical decision of how do I support a team is the team greater than my morals and ethics, which in some cases right. it is like people invest a lot emotionally and financially in sports teams. I'd argue too much, but at the same time, sports are a unique place for people to to come together in that way and find a weird little community where they can emotionally invest in something and financially invest. And I guess we find out now how people how people draw their moral and ethical lines and where they compromise. Not that it's a bad thing, but this one, this one feels more cut and dry than anything in the past because it's just so many cases that have been brought on and so much credible reporting done around this that, like you said, it's pretty clear that this is a sexual predator and he had all the power in the situation because he had a no trade clause and because he knew 23 civil cases and at the time nine pending criminal cases that were thrown out by a grand jury and what you'll all still line up to trade for me. And I get to pick exactly where I'm going. I get to restructure my contract and I get to, you know, I, the, the, and I don't have to ever answer for this. 
I don't ever have to answer publicly for anything that's just happened here. I will right. be protected by the shield. I will be protected by the Cleveland Browns. I will never have to atone for anything that happened. All I have to do is essentially pay a fine and go through a small suspension. And that part sucks. I understand that the NFL doesn't want any of this and it's easier to make it go away because eventually we'll, eventually we'll forget the same way that, you know, Kobe Bryant went through a rape trial and then when he died became a universally beloved figure that the city of Los Angeles mourned for a month. So eventually we'll move on. And that's the reason that the Browns are looking at this and saying, most of you can't keep up your morals long enough to stop watching the NFL or stop watching the Cleveland Browns. And if that's what they're banking on, they'd be pretty correct across most of NFL history. We've compromised a lot on our morals in this situation. And this one seems like the most egregious of the offenses, at least going back, like obviously people mentioned Ben Roethlisberger and they mentioned Kobe Bryant. This one seems to be cut and dry clear because he was getting traded because the Browns were actively inviting this into their organization. And if you're a fan, I'm sorry that you have to make the moral and ethical compromise. I went through this at the very beginning because I was very much a big Deshaun Watson fan, but I think I gave him too much emotional investment in the past instead of looking at him as an amazing football player but I also gave him the title of amazing person because he was very good at football and because he built houses in Atlanta and because he, you know, I read his book and things like that. So I think everyone's drawing the line in different places. And, you know, that was a long winded answer, but I I do think there's so much here that's unique to sports, but will be something that I don't know if we're going to have a situation like this ever happen again, or at least not for, I don't know what the world will look like in 25, 30 years. I don't think we're ever going to see something like this ever again. Yeah, well, I hope not. And um, I also feel highly cognizant of the fact that in recent years, Roger Goodell and the NFL has tried to make it their mission to promote women in the NFL. Um, as GM candidates, as coaches, there are a number of women coaches now. As uh, referees, there are two women referees that I know of, and both of them are highly regarded. This is now the NFL is trying to be a welcoming and supportive place for women. So what a situation Roger Goodell finds himself in right now. Um you know, kind of, you know, on the business end and then on the ethical end and on the, you know, in the end of um, what kind of statement it will mean, whatever suspension he gives Watson. I mean, for example, the example I made in the article this morning is that I mean, Calvin Ridley just got a year-long suspension for a $1,500 brain fart Um, I'm betting on NFL games while he was going through, um, depression. Um, not that that mitigates it, 
it's you know, all in no, but it, it was no. it was the equivalent of a player making ninety thousand dollars or a, a, just a person making ninety thousand a year betting fifteen dollars. It was a yeah. fifteen dollar bet that yeah, ended was, up being. It a seemed group. recreational, um, but that in itself, it is an egregious mistake, and it does deserve penalty. But think of the ramifications. If the Watson suspension comes in at four to six games, right? I think I think that would be not enough, and the NFL couldn't get away with it. Similar to what happened in the Ray Rice case, where they ended up having to double suspend Ray Rice because they gave it too small of a suspension, and they didn't read the room very well there. Um, but I think that this has so many stakes for the NFL that they're going to beta test this and test it over just to make sure exactly where the suspension is going to fall. And I, I don't know exactly what that number is going to be. Um, I would guess just based on the fact that there, there's a very wide array of voices on this issue. I think it's probably going to fall somewhere between eight and a full season. Um, not that it's right or wrong in that way. That just seems to be what the result is going to be. And I, I think that it's an incredibly compromising position for both of the parties, not just being just uh, not being the Cleveland Browns in the NFL, but also the other owners, because not just, you know, they want to have women in positions of power in the NFL. They also want women as customers in the NFL. That's they right. want, they want women to come to games and spend money because it's a massive revenue stream for the NFL. And, you know, this is now three scandals in five years that is the NFL essentially atoning for being incredibly misogynistic and hostile to women over the past, well, 40 plus years, if you want to go all the way back to American history, when women couldn't have credit cards until the 1970s. But yeah. you know, in recent NFL history, they're atoning for a lot of their situations, whether it be Jerry Richardson quietly selling his team when he had a lot of Me Too stuff in there and this, the Washington football team investigation. And now, of course, Deshaun Watson. This is them essentially atoning for this situation where in the past they could get away with it more because I think in the post-Me Too world, I think society, morally and ethically, the line has moved on protecting women and not ha and in an essence promoting women and giving power to women in situations where men can be abusers and situations where we don't know exactly where we don't know how to morally and ethically work through some of this stuff, but I think we've gotten better about it. It's not perfect, but we've gotten better around that situation. I think the reaction to the Watson case is kind of signs that we've, we've gotten better around this stuff because the fact people are talking about, not rooting for the Cleveland Browns anymore or not supporting the Washington football team, even though I was upset that the commander's jerseys sold like the five most popular jerseys on fanatics when they first came out. Like even still the fact people are talking about not supporting Washington or not supporting Cleveland financially. Uh, it, it's a small step, but it is a step that the consumer can at least put some measure of accountability to the NFL. Just maybe. Yeah. Um, it's so. You think too, 
from the player's standpoint, what are the Cleveland players supposed to do this year? Mm-hmm. You know, wait around. I mean, they have a really good roster. Case Keenum. And, um, <laughs> Case who's going to play quarterback like. while they're waiting around for Watson? Yeah, it's probably going to be Case Keenum. It's yeah. going to be Case Keenum starting at quarterback for them. And the other tricky part about that is because Deshaun Watson is going to be protected by the organization and because he's not going to have to answer questions about this and he's not going to have to you know, stand up at the podium and show any level of atonement, he's already been enabled, they've already given him the contract, they're taking on the quote-unquote risk, which – I was trying to think what is the risk the Browns are taking, which is the one that I came up with that I did remember is like, if there's a situation like this again, which I know there won't be at this point, because that would be a brutal level of miscalculation by Deshaun Watson. If there's another situation like this, everyone gets fired in Cleveland and that's the end of your career. But at the same time, like small chance there, the players are the ones who are going to have to answer that one. Like the players are going to be the ones asked the questions about Deshaun Watson only because they're the people we have access to. They can't ask the owner about it, except for at the introductory press conference. They're not going to ask the general manager about it. So the players are the ones who are going to have to answer for the actions of the franchise only because the media has easier and available access to players. And that's incredibly unfair to them because this is morally and ethically compromising for them as well. And they did not ask to have to be spokespersons for the organization on this situation. Well, speaking of that, I mean, here's a tremendous irony was a uh, word came out of the Browns that they wanted to trade for Watson because they want an adult in the quarterback room. I mean, hello. Adults aren't, you know, if you want to use the term adult, they're not sexual predators. That's being an animal. Okay. So, you know, I mean, what a cut was, through yeah. on, on Baker Mayfield. That was the thing that I thought was weird about that. Because clearly it was just leaked to, to be like, Baker is immature. Like, it was them kind of justifying getting rid of Baker, which they didn't have to justify getting rid of Baker. Like, we could see why they're getting rid of Baker. But they're like, Baker Mayfield is immature. I'm like, as opposed to the alternative, like, the alternative is you're inviting a sexual predator into your organization, to not just in your organization, to be the face of your corporation and to be the face of your organization. Like, you are inviting that and... Baker Mayfield's immature. Okay, Baker Mayfield's also not that good of a quarterback, but Baker Mayfield is immature is 